This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. We have been studying my latest book, Jesus, Our Magnificent Obsession, 365. It's my story of personal revival, personal renewal, and a rediscovery of who Jesus should be in a believer, to a believer, through a believer. It is possible to be a Christian, to even be a leader, and to completely lose touch, to be out of touch with who Jesus really is. You see, when the power of God comes into a person's life, it's usually remarkable. It can be dramatic, sometimes spectacular. It can be loud. When the Holy Spirit invades a place, he creates some ruckus, creates some excitement in the air. Like the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell on the disciples, there was a sound, a mighty sound, sound like the rushing mighty wind from heaven. There were tongues, there was fire, there was drama. People came from all over the known world and they heard them speak mid-Persian, from Libya, from Ethiopia, from all over the Middle East, from Europe even. But when the Holy Spirit leaves, when Jesus turns his back after having stood at the door and knock, knocking, if he's rejected, he usually goes away quietly. Just like when Samson, after Samson had divulged his divine secret, a secret that must never be told, he told it to Delilah. And Delilah being an instrument of the enemy, got the Philistines to shave off his head, bound him, and then began to hit him and said to him, Samson, your enemies are here. Samson, the Bible says, got up thinking he will do what he had been doing and, you know, just destroy the Philistines. The Bible says he did not know when, that the Holy Ghost had left him. So when the Holy Ghost came, it was visible he could uproot gates he could take the jawbone of an animal and kill a thousand people. But when the Holy Ghost left, he didn't even know it. So it's possible to be a Christian. It's possible to be a minister, a full-time, what we call a full-time minister. All of us should be full-time. But those people who do this for a living, it's possible to become careless. It's possible to hold the attention and the respect of men. It's possible to be in good standing with your, your sect or your denomination, but you have clearly drifted away from the fundamentals of the gospel. It happens shortly. It happens gradually, which is why I wrote this book to plead with the readers, return to the faith you once had, return to your first love. Return to the faith that was entrusted to the apostles and the patriarch. Return to the faith that was endowed upon the saints. You need to go back to the place where Jesus is not an accessory to your life. Jesus is not a, a convenience. Jesus is not a tool that you use 
the same way that our ancestors in Africa used their gods and their ancestors. Jesus must be Lord of all. Jesus must be final authority. Jesus must be at the very, very center of our joy, of our identity, and the chief subject of our affections, our desires, and our passion. As the author of this book, I'm sure I'm slightly biased, but I believe that many books, even great books, are earthly. They don't come from heaven, but I'm convinced this one came from heaven. I know that many books educate the mind and excite the emotions, but this one will shoot adrenaline into your spirit and it will set your soul on fire and it will supercharge your walk with God. Because I want you to have this book so desperately and so badly, on the 1st of September this year, you'll be able to buy it for $1 only for the first 24 hours. I want to ask and implore you to please write a strong, positive review of your experience with the book for those of you who have read the physical copies or for your experience with our ministry as a whole. That will be very helpful. And for a full account of my personal testimonies that led to the writing of this book, visit our YouTube page, Olu George Ministries, and look for the episode that is titled, This Is My Story. All those videos are also available in audio form on Spotify, in Apple Podcasts, and in video form on Facebook. Now let's go to today's subject, today's study. If you ask 10 people in the room, who is this Jesus? Who is he really? I'm looking at the first section of the book is divided into sections and chapters. Who is he really depends on who you ask. Everyone agrees that Jesus is great. Whether they are New Agers or Christians or Muslims. In fact, the Muslims, they pay tremendous lip service to Jesus as a prophet. They claim to believe in Jesus on one hand, as they fully reject all his claims on the other hand. Even if you speak to an African traditional religion religionist, and you mention the name of Jesus, they will recognize it. As a child growing up, I used to have those experiences, I forget the name now, where you feel like you are being choked and you are being pressed in your sleep, and you can't, you can't get the words out. Even as a child who had no real relationship with Jesus, I would attempt to call the name of Jesus and I would persist until I finally get that name out. And when I do, the whatever force was holding me down would evaporate, just let me loose. The name of Jesus is known in heaven. The name of Jesus has power and efficacy on the earth. The name of Jesus has effect even in hell. If you ask the Jew, the Jew will give you one answer, a different answer from the Muslim. In fact, many, many Jews have no idea that Jesus was Jewish. They think Jesus was Catholic. 
They believe that Jesus is the reason why they are so hated across the world. If you ask the historian, who is Jesus? He will have an answer for you. He will probably tell you he was a lowly carpenter, uneducated, unschooled, unlettered, and somehow managed to establish the world's largest and greatest religion. It doesn't matter who you ask. In every language, in every culture, in every religion, in every dispensation, when you invoke the name of Jesus, something changes in the atmosphere. But if you ask me today, Olu, who is Jesus to you? I'm Nigerian, by the way, and we have been accused of answering questions with questions. Just like the Italians have been accused, I think. But if you ask me, who is Jesus? I would ask you, how much time do you have? It's hard, virtually impossible to describe in one or two sentences one who is greater than greatness, one who is sweeter than honey, one who shines brighter than the sun at its brightest at noonday. It is impossible to capture in human vocabulary someone who was there before the beginning began, someone who had been sacrificed before the foundations of the earth, someone who will be there when the world will be no more, where the sun, the moon, and the stars would have died out, when the sun will fail to give light. It is an uphill battle to describe one who is a second person of the Godhead, a real person, not just a human, but a person, not just a philosophy, a person. How do you describe one who is 100% God and yet 100% man? It boggles the mind. A perfect specimen of what humanity was intended to be and capable of being. A person who is humanity at its purest, its finest, its freest, its most innocent, its most powerful, most effective, and on the other hand, 100% God with all his glory, his power, his ability. Many sages. Many wise men have stumbled at this contradiction. They say, if he's the son of God, how can he be God at the same time? If he's the son of God, how can he be son of man? Well, if he is God, he can be anything he wants. If God is God, he can do anything he wants. He can do and undo. He can write the rules. He can break the rules. He can make the rules. He can suspend the rules. Jesus is the pattern son. God walking amongst us in the flesh. If you ask me, who is Jesus to me? You will be asking for some serious answers. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1 verse 1, that Jesus is the word, the logos, the logic of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
the same that was in the beginning with God, and everything that was made was made by him, and nothing that was made was made with, apart from him. Verse 4, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in darkness, and darkness could never overcome it. I will tell you that Jesus is the logic of God. Bible tells us in Genesis, we were created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created man. Adam and Eve, male and female. Not 25,000 genders. Two genders, male and female. Any ideology and teaching that says there is more than two genders is a direct attack at the design of God, at the wisdom of God, at the foresight and the foreknowledge of God, and at the purposes of God. In the image of God, there is the feminine and the masculine. There are masculine men and there are feminine women, just as much as there are feminine men and masculine women. But that's not 10,000 genders. Jesus, on the other hand, was not just the image of God. He was the express image of the living God. Hebrews 1, I read verse 3, King James. Who being the brightness of his glory, if God was the sun, Jesus will be the sun rays. Can you separate the two? Jesus was the express image of his person. If God were ever to look in a mirror, the reflection will be Jesus, the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus is the brightness of his glory, the sun rays of his sun. Jesus is what God would see if he were to ever look in the, in the mirror. One translation says he's the exact image of his person. Another one says he is the effulgence of his glory and the very image of his substance. Another one says Jesus is the outshining of his glory. And the true image of his substance. The Berean study Bible says he is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his person. One translation says is like God in every way. He is the exact image of his person. Jesus was God. I've asked people saying, show me in the Bible where Jesus said, I am God, worship me. <laughs> That's a trick question. All you have to do is look at when Jesus resurrected and revealed himself to his disciples, Thomas, the doubting Thomas, came and Jesus said in John chapter 20, come on, Thomas, put your hand into my side, your finger, put your finger through the hole in my hands and do not be a doubter. When doubting Thomas put his hand on his side and felt the place where the spear was thrust into him, 
And when he put his finger through the, the hole created by those cruel, jagged nails of, the, of crucifixion, he fell down before him and said, My Lord and my God, what kind of prophet would receive the worship of people? What kind of prophet would receive the worship of his disciples? Paul will not. When God performed a mighty miracle in Acts chapter 14, the people thought that Paul and his associate, that they were God. One was Jupiter, the other was something else. And they brought in animals to sacrifice to them. Paul stopped them, at the, screaming at the top of his lungs, we are the same thing as you. Do not do this. This will be seen. But Jesus stood there and received the worship of Thomas and indeed the worship of all the other apostles. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Peter said to him, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Jesus was God because he had the power over life and death. When he stood in the presence of, when Jesus attended the funeral, it became a resurrection party. And he didn't need to have any ceremonies. He didn't need any drama. He just would walk calmly, touch the coffin, and say, little girl, little boy, young man, arise, and the dead will sit up. And not only would they be back from the dead, whatever it was that killed them would be completely healed. And he would say, give them something to eat. I'm thinking of the story of Lazarus, a man that Jesus loved, was terminally ill, and Jesus was told, your friend that you love and care for so much is terminally ill. What do humans do when a loved one is terminally ill? You drop everything you're doing. You travel thousands of kilometers if you have to, to be by the side of your dying loved one, not Jesus. He went on another preaching tour and ensured that when he got to decide or got back to the, the Bethany, that Lazarus would have been in the grave for four days, making nonsense of the belief at that time that the spirit of a dead person hovered around for three days and only departed on the fourth day. Jesus wanted Lazarus as dead as possible so that he could demonstrate his authority and his power over death. Anybody can claim to be anything they want to claim. There have been many people in history who have claimed to be the Jesus of their time. In fact, there was a Jesus in Waco, Texas. This was the most interesting Jesus because he claimed, I think his name was David Koresh or something like that. He claimed that he was the sinning Messiah. That the first coming of Jesus was a saving, a sinless Messiah who saved from sin. But he was a sinful Messiah who would engage in sexual immorality with mother and daughter and will force people to marry other people and force children into marriages and do all kinds of atrocious things and convinces people to, to, to carry arms for some, some kingdom of God they want to establish with the force of the gun. Complete lunatic. There'll be many of them. Even in my original country of birth, Lagos, Nigeria, we had the Jesus of Oyibo, who, like all the fake Jesuses, married his own children. 
I'm sometimes I wonder why we don't have fake Mohammeds and fake Buddhas. There's so many who have claimed to be Jesus. So anyone can claim to be anything, but can you deliver the goods? Can you, could any of them, go to the tomb of Lazarus, dead for days, wrapped in embalming fluid, in an embalming cloth that has dried and has become like hardened, like, like concrete or cement, something close. That has become a, a, a case, a cocoon holding in the body. Could you walk, could any of these fake Jesuses walk into that place and without any drama, look up to heaven and say, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. And then turn to that dead body, rise up right now. And the dead man walks out still in the grave clothes. And then he says to the people, lose him and let him go. Can any of these fake messiahs before Jesus, after Jesus ever do that? Has any faith healer ever been able to heal a man that was born blind, born lame? Has it ever happened in history? Outside of Jesus. There have been many claims, but are there verifiable miracles? Has anyone ever any messiah ever willingly subjected themselves to the most shameful death the death of criminals, the lowliest, a death so horrible that Cicero would not even contemplate an ordinary Roman citizen being executed in that fashion. Would any Messiah subject themselves to that kind of death and on the third day rise up triumphant in glory? Who is Jesus? See what I, see what I mean? Our time is up and I'm just getting started. Jesus is everything. Jesus is all the world to me. Once you have tasted him, once you have eaten his flesh and drank his blood, you are satisfied. You will never need to turn to idols. You will never need to turn to science, so-called science. You will never need to turn to psychology. As long as you are feeding on him, as long as you are drinking into him, would you lift your hands and lift your heart Fall on your knees if you can, and just embrace Jesus with me this moment. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we will serve you. We will seek you. We will pursue you all the days of our lives. Thank you, Father, for all you've done for us. We will never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.